1: Have you ever wondered why you make yourself invisible, procrastinate, or please others to get their approval? According to Dr. Friedman Schaub, our subconscious employs these types of survival patterns to protect us. But living in a survival mode has significant downsides. Dr. Schaub joins us today to discuss how to break free from common survival patterns. Dr. Schaub is a physician, researcher, personal development coach, and the author of the award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution. His new book is the Empowerment Solution, Six Keys to Unlocking Your Full Potential with the Subconscious Mind. Welcome, Dr. Shop. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you.
1: Well, it's wonderful to have you back on the show. It's been some time, but I'm so happy that you're here now. And this is such an important topic, Doctor, because most people, you may even say everyone, but most people live their life in some sort of a survival pattern. So let's begin by discussing what a survival pattern is.
2: Yes, you're absolutely right. And in general, I think we all use those patterns from time to time. I mean, whether it's procrastination or avoiding things that we are not comfortable with, whether it's sometimes overpleasing or blending in with the people that we want to somehow be liked by, these are patterns we usually, you know, from time to time use. They become survival patterns when they are the predominant way we are interacting with the world and when they are driven mainly by stress anxiety, lack of self-worth, when those patterns make us basically stuck in living a life that is way smaller than it needs to be. That's when they become survival patterns, and that's when we have to ask ourselves, am I anxious and stressed because I'm living in those patterns, and those patterns are reinforcing my anxiety?
1: So let's talk a little bit about our autopilot programming. Can you give us some background about the subconscious mind? How is it programmed and how does it impact the way we live?
2: Now, the subconscious is the deeper part of our mind that we all know, we all have interactions with, whether it's our, you know, impulses, even though we really want to lose weight, but we still find ourselves in the drive through of Some are, you know, our favorite uh, fast food joint or our drains come from the subconscious, you know, eating while we are watching TV. The subconscious is very powerful. It plays a huge role in our life. But the subconscious is also ultimately our inner protector. So when we are consciously and based on our uh, physical development early in our life, not really capable of protecting ourselves, the subconscious takes over. So the subconscious observes, takes notes, and tries to somehow figure out how to avoid pain, rejection, neglect, all of those things that can potentially make us not, quote-unquote, survive. And these uh, conclusions of the subconscious observation are usually uh, defined by beliefs. Beliefs such as, I am not safe, others can't be trusted. I'm not good enough, I don't fit in, failure needs to be avoided. These are just some of the core beliefs that are very early in our lives installed. Those beliefs are driving behaviors such as those survival patterns.
1: Doctor, what are the six most common survival patterns? And if you would, just give us a brief description of each.
2: There are two modes that I think are the most common ones, which are the avoidance and the pleasing mode. And each of those has three specific patterns that I also observe very often in my clients. So the avoidance mode has the, the victim pattern. And the victim pattern is basically when we are always feeling somehow things are done to us, whether it's that we are seeing other people, As the ones that misunderstand us or mistreat us, or whether we see ourselves as a victim of our emotions, our circumstances, the victim pattern is a survival pattern because it always keeps you vigilantly looking around, waiting for whatever happened in the past to repeat itself. And usually it's more about blaming others than taking responsibility for ourselves. The second pattern is the invisibility pattern, which basically says you're better off not getting noticed, not saying something, and also disconnecting yourself from others, then trying to reach out or trying to be a part of because that's not safe or you will not fit in. Third avoidance pattern is the procrastination pattern where we are avoiding failure or avoiding discomfort because we don't want to really do things that we feel are maybe too hard, too much for us to do. And so, I think we all are very familiar with the procrastination pattern. We are just doing other things or looking for instant gratification. And the pleasers are more the ones that are reaching out for others for help, approval, a sense of security, a sense of belonging. So the first pattern is the chameleon pattern, where we are naturally blending in with anyone around us. We are just picking up how do we need to act, what questions do we need to ask, How do we need to, you know, believe in order to fit in with those people? The second one is the pleaser, the helper, that can even lead to the martyr pattern where we just constantly overgive and overplease and put ourselves always on the back burner. And then the third pattern is the lover pattern. The lover pattern is a pattern of the codependent in some ways, the one that always looks for one specific person to feel complete, to have that person as the answers to all problems. And no matter how dysfunctional the relationship is, there is this holding on to the hope that one day that chosen one will come around or will change. And it's a very, very destructive pattern that may not be as common, but it's really important to look at because it can really completely derail your life when you're stuck in it.
1: So do we usually have one dominant pattern? We we probably can take on different ones at different times, but is there usually one that dominates our life?
2: It's more contextual. So we can really be in different contexts, different or fall into different patterns. But, you know, we have to, if we want to resolve them, step by step focus on the one that drains you the most you know the thing about survival patterns is that they do two things to you the first one is they give your power away so you always either make other people as a threat so you always focus on how can i get away from them or you make the other people as you know the saving grace the ones that makes you feel better about yourself and you never really you know feel like that you're empowered to live in your own way, to to walk your own path. And the second, uh, you would say, negative side effect of those patterns is that they disconnect uh, ourselves from ourselves. We are are not asking ourselves important questions such as, what's important to me? What do I want? What are my values? Who am I? What's my purpose? Because we are constantly in the self-defense mode, And if we feel powerless and disconnected from ourselves, it is like fuel for more anxiety and more insecurity. And that's why it's such a vicious cycle we can get into.
1: So if this is happening at the subconscious level, and we're not even aware of our behavior, how do we turn this around?
2: Well, awareness is the first step. You know, it's uh, uh, my work is very much about conscious subconscious collaboration. That means getting the conscious intellectual part of the mind in alignment with our subconscious. Because the subconscious as an inner protector is a little bit like an overprotective nanny that just assumes that we are still little kids who cannot take care of ourselves. So we are operating with an outdated owner's manual. And so what we need to do consciously is to be aware what are our old beliefs? What are those behavioral patterns that drain us and don't really, you know, fuel us or help us to grow? And then, as I describe in the book, really taking these step-by-step measures to outgrow and update those patterns so that they're really much more, you know, tapping into our potential rather than limiting us. And that's what, uh, you know, I think we all can do in order to make our lives more rich and fulfilling, to step out of that, what makes us feel comfortable, but ultimately limits us in going more into that bigger version of ourselves.
1: Because when we spend more time in our conscious mind, we can rewrite that programming. We can create new neural pathways.
2: Absolutely. And that's the beauty about when you're consciously working with the subconscious that you become the leader of your life. I often talk about the empowered leader of your life who is leading the subconscious with consistency, with confidence, with commitment, but then there is a key also with compassion. You cannot just overwrite the subconscious with sheer willpower or logic. The subconscious cares very little about what makes sense, which is why so many emotions don't really make sense. The subconscious cares very much about how things feel. And unless we are feeling trust, we are feeling compassion for ourselves, we are feeling connected to ourselves, ultimately feeling a sense of appreciation and love for ourselves, the subconscious says, well, you're your own worst enemy. So sorry, I will still run my protective patterns. So this relationship with yourself needs to change in order to step out of these patterns, not only on a conscious level, but also on the level of the emotions, and, you know, for lack of a better word, in your heart.
1: Why do people cling to these survival patterns so tightly? For example, we all know people that might live in that victim mentality that, like you described, everything happens to them. And if you try to point it out to that person, they become very defensive. They will take it on and say, that is not me. So why are we so protective of these patterns?
2: Well, I think two things. One is As a society, we are overwhelmed. We just feel bombarded constantly with pressure, with things that we are supposed to do or supposed to live up to. There are now so many sources that tell us this is the way and this is the truth and that's what you need to be, that we are confused and overwhelmed. And we don't really spend time with ourselves and look inside and That's why these patterns have one, you know, big still purpose to be. They make us feel comfortable because they make us feel, well, we know that. It's familiar. Let's just stay in there and at some point to become our identity. And getting out of those patterns takes a little introspection. It takes time with yourself and it takes also the step to be uncomfortable for a moment You know, the discomfort is something we are so avoiding. We always feel like, you know, even when we are talking about something and then we are saying, well, sorry, this makes me uncomfortable to talk about this topic. I mean, why are we so attached to comfort? Because we are so scared that outside of the comfort zone, there is something we cannot handle. And I think that's really the two reasons why being in survival mode is something we are still glued to. But at the same time, that's also the reason why as a nation or as a society, we become more and more scared and more and more lost. I mean, when you really look at how many people are now clinging on to, you know, things that really absolutely don't make sense, it is because there is a fear-driven need for someone to tell us the truth. Rather than going inside and looking for our truth, we are hoping someone else will point us away. So we become more and more powerless and more and more disconnected. And I think that's a very dangerous path we're on.
1: When people learn to break these patterns, how do they become empowered?
2: You know, it really is interesting. It's a very good question. It certainly varies from person to person. But the first step is that they feel there is a relief. It is almost like a Finally, there is acceptance. Finally, there is a sense of peace with himself. And then when they're realizing I'm actually in the driver's seat, I can choose. I can always see, oh, yeah, I have a choice to go down into this old pattern or move forward on a new way of being where I take responsibility, where I am self-reliant, where I use self-compassion, all these keys tapping into your full potential that I describe in the book, when you're realizing, wow, these keys are also a sense of power, they make me the creator of my life, then there is a sense of motivation and excitement that brings ultimately forth new ways of being. I have seen people changing careers. I have seen people you know, all of a sudden uh, going and writing books about their past rather than feeling like they are trapped in it. But I also have seen people staying exactly in the same place they were, but feeling so much more on purpose and so much more aligned because they see themselves as the ones that make a difference rather than feeling like the world is dominating them. So it's a, it's a you know, gradual unfoldment from feeling more relieved and at peace to feeling truly I can create my life the way I choose to. And what you know, I also find happens is that you may gain more clarity on why you're here. Mm-hmm. You now, when we're living in survival, we're not thinking about thriving. It's not a very creative state to be in. But when you're in this more empowered place, all of a sudden you do feel much more that there is something inside of you that you're here to share, or there is a gift that you all along knew was there, but you always kind of felt, well, that's not special enough. And then you feel the strength and the motivation actually to do something with this.
1: You know what I find fascinating? I've been doing a lot of this work in my own life, and I have grown a lot, and and I've been able to break a lot of my patterns. But there are times when I find myself backsliding and some emotion will trigger me and I'll go back to that default programming and way of thinking. But the beauty of it is I can see it quickly. Now you can see it happening and and I can transition myself out of it.
2: Well, that is mastery because mastery is not to be the domineering, uh, you know, uh, person who is just suppressing all those patterns and emotions that you don't like Mastery is being able to see that all emotions and all those old ways of being have a reason to be there. And when they're coming up doesn't mean that, you know, we're doing something wrong. It's just a a call for us to make another choice. It's a call for us sometimes also to reassure the more inner protective part in us and say, you know, I know what I'm doing. You can trust me. I know this triggers you. Mastery is to accept all of us. The light and the dark, that what makes us feel powerful, That what makes us feel powerless, and move forward with a sense of acceptance, but also believe in yourself. And that's what you're doing.
1: The book is The Empowerment Solution, Six Keys to Unlocking Your Full Potential with the Subconscious Mind. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Freeman and his work, you can visit drfriedman.com. Doctor, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with?
2: Well, have really faith in yourself that you're always more than you think you are, that you're not defined by your shortcomings, by your patterns, by your anxiety. But these are also not something we should ignore or we should fight. They're simply pointers that point us more closely to ourselves. And and I know that from my own experience with anxiety and from many of the clients i worked with, anxiety and all those survival patterns the stronger they are, the more they are pointing towards something inside of you that you haven't unearthed yet. And that is often your greatest gift. So stay open, stay curious, stay committed, and stay compassionate with yourself.
1: Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. I have really enjoyed this conversation and I look forward to the time when you can come back.
2: Anytime. Thank you so much for having me today. It was a pleasure.
1: This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: That's BestPathForMe.com. Does sound heal or is it just a placebo effect? Hi, I'm Allison Iotti. I'm a musician, sound practitioner, and the creator of The Sound Life, an app for stress reduction through relaxation and sound meditation. The body was made to self-heal. Given the right stimulus, it goes into a high-performance mode to correct the problem. Sound healing can evoke the relaxation response. When the mind and body relax, it is easier for the body to respond to illness. The relaxation response is well-studied and known to positively impact cardiovascular function, immunity, hypertension inflammation pain and so much more the relaxation response is not a placebo one way that sound heals is by inducing the relaxation response therefore sound healing is not a placebo but it isn't the sound that heals the person it is more likely that sound affects the nervous system, resulting in a relaxation response that supports the body's natural healing mechanisms. I'm Allison Ayati, and I want to help you heal. To learn more, go to livingthesoundlife.com. The Sound Life is not a replacement for medical or psychological intervention.
1: Do you have a product or service that can change someone's life? Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life is teaming up with reputable professionals that we can recommend to our hundreds of thousands of followers. To learn how you can elevate your business and ranking by being part of the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life directory, visit cyacyl.com slash profiles. It's time for Your Health joining us today to talk about health equity in treatment and delivery is Sherry Gold, Senior Vice President for Regulatory Compliance and Chief Quality and Equity Officer for Bergen Newbridge Medical Center. Welcome Sherry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sherry, health inequities have significant social and economic costs both to individuals and societies.
0: How prevalent is the problem? This is a prevalent problem that's been around for years and years and years and um Over the past couple of years, it has become um, part of health regulators to actually uh, heighten awareness and make requirements within health healthcare organizations to make improvements so that we have the best quality outcomes. And so what does health equity look like? So health equity actually means that the patients get what they need for the best outcomes for their health and wellness. You know, we're breaking down the barriers um, for any disparities um, based on race, ethnicity, patients' age, gender, their preferred language, sexual orientation, and also uh, related to any social determinants of health, such as physical disability or visual impairment, hearing impairment, um, and also if patients have Um, Any insecurities around food, uh, securing food or transportation or even paying their bills and about their uh, personal safety.
1: So, Sherry, then what is the way out? How can we make sure that patients receive equal care?
0: So, again, this is the requirement um, now for hospitals. But at Bergen-Newbridge Medical Center, we've been doing this anyway for years. We are a hospital that is diverse. Um, We're eliminating illicit bias. We are providing language assistance and translation. We're looking at literacy of patients to ensure that they understand their consent, their discharge instructions, their patient education materials, their medication labels, and making sure that if they screen out with any of these social determinants of health for food insecurity, we provide gift cards to ShopRite, um, locations of where food banks are, Um, We help patients with transportation to appointments to make sure that they are getting the care they need and have the best outcomes.
1: What can consumers do to ensure that they're receiving the best possible care?
0: They can look on um, health grades. They can look at the Joint Commission um, website. They can look on the different websites of hospitals to ensure that they are providing equitable care.
1: And so what does the Joint Commission's Health Equity Advanced Certification mean?
0: So this certification, which Bergen Newbridge Medical Center proudly achieved on uh, January 25th, is um, really looking at closing the gaps um, between the access of care and addressing uh, disparities faced by historical, historically marginalized groups. So they are putting standards into place and heightening awareness, and having hospitals go the extra mile to make sure they're providing this equitable care uh, for patients to have the best. Uh, quality and safety.
1: And if our listeners would like to learn more about the programs that Sherry just described, you can visit newbridgehealth.org. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative while on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.
0: The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications.